Good morning. Welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. It is a good day to be with you. In this church, we celebrate the divinity in one another, our connection to the all, and we welcome you from whatever faith tradition, whatever background, whoever you love, we want to celebrate that love with you here. When I was a child growing up in this church, I used to think that Unitarian Universalists meant that we were united in our love of the universe. (laughs) And I stick by that. (laughs) Our theologians and historians can dig in, and I could dig in with you more on that, but I think that's a pretty, pretty good definition, so I share it with you today. In this month, when our theme is change... um, Octavia Butler said, God is change. In this month when we will observe later the Transgender Day of Remembrance, some of us will go to Jubilee 3 anti-racism training. When we are coming off All Souls Day and Dia de los Muertos, and we are staring down an election. It is a big day for our spirit. So I'm going to be drawing upon two sources in particular in our faith, actually a principle and a source. The principle of Unitarian Universalism, the right of conscience and the use of the democratic process within our congregations and society at large. We're going to lean into that one today. And of our sources, we are going to weave in throughout the service words and deeds of prophetic people which challenge us to confront powers and structures of evil, with justice, compassion, and the transforming power of love. And then, as you've already experienced, you will get, woven through the service, direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder as the choir weaves in pieces of Requiem by Durafle, which is taken from the Mass for the Dead in Gregorian chant. That's a piece of the inspiration. Um, written in 1949. So welcome to church today. It's a special one, and we're so glad you're here. And now, I invite you to greet your neighbor, perhaps someone you've never met before, and welcome the divine spark in all. Please join me in the words for lighting the chalice. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Our call to worship this morning is by Lynn Unger. Uh, She is a poet, a UU minister, a singer, and a dog trainer. And she says that means she teaches dogs to dance. (laughs) Samhain, set an altar for your beloved dead. Put out food and drink, flowers, the delights of the living. Gather at the table, tell their stories, the ones they couldn't stop repeating, and their jokes the same. 
Look for a while into the darkness, say their names, listen, and be still. But do not expect them to answer. If anything, in the hushed whisper of blowing leaves, just this. It's your world now. We did what we could. The living are the only architects of the world to come. You wrote our mission. This church has put it on the wall. We say it together like we mean it because we do, because it guides our lives. And I just heard from someone this morning how our mission is calling him as a new member of the church to stretch. I love that. It calls me too. Will you say it with me? Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Amen. And our moment for beloved community is fused with our first hymn today. I want to tell you just briefly about it, and then we're going to do it. So the wider movement of Unitarian Universalism is in partnership with the Poor People's Campaign. Maybe you've heard of this, maybe not. The Poor People's Campaign is a national campaign. People of faith, workers, um, low-wage workers, and people living below the poverty line um, working to advocate for a country that meets the needs of all people. It is led by people of color, and the Unitarian Universalist Association um, was a sponsor of the Big March in June. You can hear Bishop William Barber give powerful sermons about the work. Um, And they are partners as well of your Texas Unitarian Universalist Justice Ministry. We meet with the Poor People's Campaign of Texas every Thursday night to dig into some of the readings you're going to hear today about justice um, and beloved community. This is the time in our service where we go deeper in our connection to God as we understand God, our voice of truth within ourselves our ancestors. Today, especially, I invite you to be in a place of love and remembrance together for those that we have lost this year. If you didn't know, and as one of the interim ministers, I didn't know, and I've been learning, that the butterfly wall right outside the sanctuary is to honor members of this congregation who have passed into ancestry. And so I invite you after church today, um, in this time, again, near to all souls and Dia de los Muertos, to visit that wall and read the names of those who are still with us in spirit and remember them with their families. We'll be adding some new butterflies to the wall soon. If you have someone to add and you haven't been in touch with Shannon Posern yet, I invite you to speak with her after the service and see us out here by the butterfly wall. Now, did you enjoy your extra hour of sleep last night? In our time of prayer, I also want to offer you this from Rest is Resistance a manifesto by Trisha Hersey of the NAP Ministry. If you don't know the NAP Ministry yet, friends, 
get there. It is so good. You can find her on the internet. It's a wonderful book. And I know people often see me as an energetic person, but it is fueled by naps. Um, so in the nap ministry, Trisha Hersey, who um, is a black writer and activist and a theologian, talks about the call to rest. And I think about the time that's coming up where we will light candles, perhaps in memories of loved ones, perhaps in prayer for what we're dealing with. I think about that time of candle lighting as a time of spiritual rest every week. And at the same time, we're asking you to take action this week, aren't we? I'll talk more about that in the sermon. But so we're balancing the call for rest and peace and prayer with the call for action in our lives. And so here is what the NAP ministry gives us. It is called a call to action for rest now. Exclamation point. She writes, I want you to firmly plant yourself inside your imagination." Take refuge in the beauty and power of our community care. Take root in our daydreaming. We can rest, build, and usher in a new way. We center rest and care no matter what the systems say. Rest is a portal. Silence is our pillow. Hold silence with me now. Take a deep, full breath. Another and hold for four seconds. Release the shame you feel when resting. It does not belong to you. Amen. Blessed be. And I invite you to light candles as you feel moved in either of our candle walls, knowing in a community like this, we are blessed with joys, sorrows, and everything in between. May we light those flames together.
And our reading is by Reverend Chuck Freeman. You look at what happened in the last election in Arizona and Georgia. This wasn't a flash in the pan. This was the result of a decade or more of grassroots organizing. And Texas is on this path if we keep doing our work, and we will. The future will be determined by those who are focused, centered, organized, and mobilized for the values they hold dear. That will be us. The politically impossible will become the politically inevitable. The Reverend Chuck Freeman was, is our founding executive director of the Texas Unitarian Universalist Justice Ministry, uh, a dear friend who lived in Austin and now lives in Conroe, Texas, and sends his love to you each time I speak with him. It is my honor, in addition to my role here, to serve as the minister and executive director of your state action network, your Texas UU Justice Ministry now. So today, um, some of the prophetic voices you will hear are going to come from this book, We Cry Justice, Reading the Bible with the Poor People's Campaign, that we've been reading along the way. And I think of Reverend Chuck because I know that he's been reading, uh, doing a scripture study in the senior living uh, spot where he is. So I just send him my love today. I appreciate his words so much from that sermon. These words come from the great activist and leader, John Lewis. Freedom is not a state. It is an act. It is not some enchanted garden perched high on a distant plateau where we can finally sit down and rest. Freedom is the continuous action we must all take. And each generation must do its part to create an even more fair, more just society. In my work with the Justice Ministry back in May, I traveled to Dallas, and I met my colleague, the Reverend Daniel Cantor, the senior minister of First Unitarian Church of Dallas, on his street in the dark before dawn. We went to his church, a church that was instrumental in the work that led to Roe versus Wade and abortion rights in this country. We met volunteers from the church, and we met 20 people, young women, who I would travel with as their chaplain to receive health care, abortion care in New Mexico, where it would be safe and legal. On the drive in the dark to the church, I asked Reverend Cantor, who had been part of these trips regularly and helped organize them, um, about our role, my role for this trip. And he said it was to be present to the travelers on their journey. That is what we are all to be doing for each other, to be present, to be travelers on our journey together the process of where our church is going. Reverend Cantor also said to me that I might need to be there for some who had never flown before. 
Now, some of you may remember the very first sermon I ever gave at this church. Many years ago, I talked about facing your fears, and one of mine is flying. Not only that, but I had not flown in two and a half years because of the pandemic. Sometimes this life, this faith, this commitment to Unitarian Universalism in the public sphere calls us to do things that we're scared of, that we are uncomfortable with for others and for our own growth. Now, I used to love, and and I still love, that our minister emerita here, Reverend Meg Barnhouse, would often start a sentence with, I can always be wrong, but... I can always be wrong, but I've always been sure, pretty sure, that I keep the planes up with my own spiritual practices of how I hold the armrest and the music that I do or don't play on my headphones... My positive energy, my refusal to think about the movie Final Destination while we're taking off. Anyway. Thankfully, my teaching pastor, Reverend Brian Ferguson, who also served this church as an intern, it's all in the family, folks, uh, he had told me once that they say ministers are supposed to have a non-anxious presence, but that that's too high a bar. He said, shoot for the least anxious presence, and you'll be fine. So I always thank Brian for that, and for the reminder that I share with you that your ministers are human. Indeed, I sat with a young woman on the plane who had never flown before, and she was nervous about that, not about her abortion. I watched her as she looked out the window, and it still chokes me up experienced that first moment of flight, of going through the clouds, and she got out her phone to take video, and she said, my mother and I have never flown. And then she gasped and said, it is so beautiful. I would live in the clouds. I love so much about just those three sentences. She was flying not just for herself, but for her mother. She was making her own divine and sacred choice for her life and for the family she might be building in the years to come. And she saw beauty, even in a time that she should not have had to endure. Our votes, our work, leads to having leaders that either support the rights that are divinely given, whether they say they are or not. I know they are. Our faith tells us they are. Our votes determine in the the chain of events who ends up in the Supreme Court. And yet, we know that these fights have always been. So I want to make sure as we go into Tuesday that we are balancing the call to work, and I have some calls for you today, and I'll get to them, the call to work with the call to rest, because this is lifelong, this pursuit of justice and the project of democracy that we're in. We wouldn't make democracy one of our principles and faith values if it was something that was just to be taken for granted. 
I love chips and salsa very, very much, but I don't have to work for it. It's not one of my principles the way democracy is, right? And I, I took that for granted, friends. I did. I did until the January 6th insurrection. I'm not going to lie. Democracy is one of the things in our Unitarian Universalist principles, which are the bedrock of my life, that I've kind of thought, eh, isn't that politics? It's not. So what your justice ministry has been doing is we have been doing nonpartisan get-out-the-vote work. And that is not to dismiss the work that you are doing for candidates that embody the values that you hold dear, but I want you to know a little bit about nonpartisan get-out-the-vote work that you, some of you have been doing with us. This church is one of 20 congregations that went in on our get-out-the-vote postcard project. So if you did any of those postcards, I'm talking about you and your work. We have been reaching out to people, predominantly black people in counties with low voter participation, people who did not vote in 2018. And what that means is that they are not getting 15 emails a day from all the people you're getting 15 emails from if you're a regular voter. They're not getting all the texts, okay? When I text people, I'm not one of 20 texts that they got that day. And they are at risk of being purged from the rolls if they don't vote with some regularity. The rules are changing a lot. And as I said, getting people out to vote that for our values have real impact on people's lives. It's the difference between being able to get the health care that is your right in your state and having to raise money and go with a church chaplain you've never met before to another state. It matters so deeply. And it's easy to lose faith in our democracy. There is a lot that is not working. It was, well, there's a lot that's working the way it was built to work. Let's be real. But there's a lot of work to do for it to work the way we want it to work. We have to do what that young woman did on the plane, though, which is find beauty along the way to sustain ourselves, to nourish ourselves. And I'll tell you some quick things about Texas. Sometimes I wear my Birkenstocks uh, to feel at, at heritage with the early prophets. Today I wore my boots because I want to focus on Texas and what's awesome about us, but also what our challenges are. Joshua Houston, who's the advocacy director at Texas Impact, one of our interfaith organizations, has some data for me to share with you. Demographically, Texas is rapidly changing. Again, our theme for this month is change. More Latinx people live here than Anglo. In my lifetime, two of three Texans living here have moved here or been born here. So we have new folks to reach. Economically, we are rapidly changing. We have six of the 20 largest cities in America. We would be, Texas, the world's 10th largest economy if it was just Texas. What we do here is important. And we know it doesn't stay in Texas. We get used as a copy for other things. They pilot things here in order to bring about the loss of human rights that folks are trying to see. And the issue is we are a disengaged state when it comes to voting. So I'm begging you, I'm begging you from a place of faith of UU principles over the next couple of days, it's not enough just to vote yourself. 
please reach out to people and help people vote. Texas is often dead last of the 50 states in voter turnout. Still, there's reason to hope. We had improvements in the last two elections. We were, I like Josh's use of this phrase, swingier than Ohio. (laughs) We have the potential to live our values differently in our electoral politics. Swingier than Ohio. Our partners at Mono Amiga, which does immigration and abolition work in San Marcos, tell us that often the local races that would determine such important things as school board, district attorney, can be determined by 10 votes. One hour of your time can make a difference in elections in a way that has ripple effects into people's very real lives. When it comes to looking for beauty, since we've been talking today about both death and democracy, I want to tell you a little story from my own life before I let you go and sing. My father died suddenly almost 20 years ago, and that was the greatest loss of my life. And I still would put his name on any butterfly wall in town. At his memorial service, one of the things that speakers said was, and we know David Walter would want you to vote blah, blah, blah on action, blah, blah, blah. He was that adamant about the things that he wanted people to vote for that people brought it up at his funeral. All right. So there's that. And there's this. We had had five days with him in a coma after a heart attack that was very unexpected. He was in the prime of his life. Every day is a gift. And when we decided to finally take the doctor's advice and let him go, turn off the machines. Um, It doesn't happen like it happens in the movies. I bet a lot of you know that. Sometimes it takes a day or two. If you're picturing someone you love as I tell this story, my heart is with you. But we went about our ways as a family. We left finally after holding a circle for those days. And some of us watched UT football. Some of us went to Chewy's for Mexican food. Some of us went to rest. And there came a point in the night where I just needed to go back. I wanted to be there with him one more time. And my uncle had been holding vigil because we didn't want anyone in the family to go alone. That's the other thing that breaks my heart about COVID, when folks felt alone. Oh, you lost someone alone. Anyway, I went back and I was there just in time, just in time for what ended up being his last breaths. And my uncle and I, for years, we would call each other and we would say, you know, hey, it's today on the anniversary Just want to make sure you remember that it was beautiful. There was something so beautiful in that room, even after so much pain. And and I would give everything to have him back next to me, like I get to see my mom here every week. But there was something so beautiful. It was divine. It was God. It was grace. It was love. It was something. And so we would call each other every year and say, just remember. Do you remember that it was beautiful? And I was sad after a few years when we stopped calling each other to say that. But then I realized that it was 
fully inside us now, fully embedded in the ways we lived our lives and the way we love each other as a family. And so I just want to leave you with this today in the midst of this time of where we're just torn between grief and hope, um, where we don't know where our country is going, where, where we are tired and yet there's so much work to do. May you become that truth embedded that there is beauty even in hard times, that I would live in the clouds, as she said, that even in such a time of injustice, take these moments of beauty in your life, look for them, look for them in the life of the church. It's not going to be an easy year or two as we determine the next chapter, as we, as we come to find um, who the senior minister will be, all of this, this time of change, it's not easy. Find those moments of beauty amid the grief of awe, even in the struggle, so that we can keep doing this work of building beloved community together. Maybe so. The words of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. The church must be reminded that it is not the master or the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state and never its tool. If the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. This is a reminder that this church belongs to us. We are not the Church of England or the Church of any government, and so we funded ourselves with deep generosity and love in support of the mission and the work that we are going to do together to build the beloved community. With that, I invite our ushers to come forward for the offering and for you to give as generously as you can. With great thanks. Please join me in reading the words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Our benediction comes from activist Valerie Corr. And so the mother in me asks, what if? What if this darkness is not the darkness of the tomb, but the darkness of the womb? What if our America is not dead, but a country waiting to be born? Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.